Rochelle Lake, Head of B2B Marketing at SD Australasia. Welcome to episode two of our four-part podcast series called Think Sustainable. If you tuned into episode one, you'll be familiar with the format where each episode I'm joined by two expert guests to discuss a common organisational sustainability goal. As part of the conversation, we'll cover off why these goals are so common within organisations. We'll talk about practical actions you can implement to achieve these goals. We'll talk about greenwashing or pitfalls to, to look out for. And we'll also talk about how suppliers can help you to achieve your goals. Today, we'll be discussing waste reduction. And to do so, I'm joined by Rose Reed, who's the director at the Product Stewardship Centre of Excellence, and one of my colleagues, Jake Hatton, who's our Senior Manager of Sustainability at SD Australasia. So to start things off, I'd like to get some background information from each of you, just talking about your level of experience on the topic at hand. So Rose, if you could start off by talking about what is your role and maybe for those people who aren't familiar, what is the Product Stewardship Centre of Excellence and more broadly, what sustainability experience you've had throughout your career? Sure. Thanks, Rochelle, and great to be involved. Um, the Product Stewardship Centre of Excellence was established uh, in early 2021 and our focus is really about helping businesses uh, like yourselves to reduce your waste, um, to increase recycling and to adopt product, what we call product stewardship actions across your business model. So this is what can you do um, in terms of the products you use, you make, you sell, um, and how you can prevent, reduce the environmental human health impacts of those products. So we provide a suite of mentoring, support, education services. We've got a whole suite of resources. In terms of my background, um, I've had a lot of involvement in pro with product stewardship. Um, I ran Mobile Mustard, a mobile phone recycling program for 10 years. So many of you may have popped into a Telstra store and recycled your old mobile phone. Um, I also used to work with uh, Clean Up Australia prior to that. So I have deep experience with picking up litter and seeing what we find out in the ground. Um, and more recently have worked uh, with the National Waste and Recycling Industry Council. So working with companies who provide waste and recycling services. Excellent. Sounds like you're absolutely the right person to have join us here today, Rose. Um, and I think the Product Stewardship Centre of Excellence is going to, is already and you know, going forward will increasingly become a great uh, resource for organisations. Um, so Jake, yeah, if we could hear the same from you, what's your role and experience and any practical things you've been doing to work on waste reduction in your career? Yeah, look, not sure it's as impressive a, a CV as, as Rose. Um, great to be here, Rochelle and Rose, as part of this um, discussion on a really important topic for our business. I'm Head of Sustainability at SD Australasia, which means I look after sustainability across Australia, New Zealand and the Pacific Islands. Um, and looking after sustainability is such a broad um, set of responsibilities, I suppose, all the way from how we source uh, our raw ingredients, you know, pulp, fibre and so on, all the way through manufacturing. And then, of course, when consumers or customers have finished with the product, how they dispose of it, how we can try and minimise the impact of our products uh, when people are finished using them. Um, I've been involved in sustainability now for probably five or six years, but going well beyond that, I worked in corporate affairs for more than 20 years. And um, I actually started off working on environmental science, uh, believe it or not, but changed tack and got into corporate affairs. Um, but it was always something I was passionate about. So throughout my career, I've, I've worked on it in uh, bits and pieces, but it's really the last five years when I've really focused on it. Um, and it's just a, an incredibly exciting time to be involved in 
an industry that's really trying to solve many of the, the planet's most challenging problems. Absolutely. Thanks for that, Jake and Rose. So now we'll get right into the topic at hand. So Rose, why do you think waste reduction is such a common sustainability goal or target for many organisations? Well, being sustainable is how well we, how efficiently um, and conservatively we use our resources. So obviously creating waste is, is, is not an efficient way to do that. So um, why, so it's an important area, one of the primary goals of sustainability um, and it is um it's also an important way to reduce costs within the business yep excellent and jake anything to add from your side on that yeah look i think um we're certainly seeing that more and more consumers and customers are becoming increasingly aware of of the impact of waste uh, i think what we've seen over the last few years is many of us have struggled through various lockdowns during the pandemic um, I think as individuals, we've seen the amount of waste that we've created because we haven't been at work, we haven't been out and about, so all that waste has ended up being something for us to manage. And I think we've actually been quite shocked and surprised at the amount of waste that we all, all produce. I certainly have been uh, at times, you know, standing in the bin trying to trust things down so that the, the truck will come and pick, pick up my um, weekly collection. And I think we're seeing that in from our, our customers and consumers. You know, they're telling us they want us to be doing more reduce the impact of our products on the planet because that reflects their purchase choices they care and, and they actually want to be able to choose products which reflect their values and, and objectives when it comes to, to minimizing their impact so i think we've seen um it's, waste has been a big issue for a number of years but i think it's really accelerated over the last you know three or four years that's certainly what i've seen mm. did you want to add something there rose Oh yes, sorry. One of the other things, um, it's Jake made the point about customers expecting, um, you know, solutions for all of these and how to prevent and avoid waste in the first place. But also the other pressure is government is putting a higher priority on managing and reducing waste. Um, you know, waste to waste is a, is a cost to local government, so to all of us as ratepayers. Um, and we have to run landfills and all these uh, other waste facilities, which are expensive. And what it actually represents is a loss of resources and, in a, and, has, and can have significant environmental impacts. Plus, you would have also seen um, a recent, over the last couple of years, we've seen a recent ban of exporting recycled materials and waste from Australia. Um, so there's more focus both at a national and state level to take greater responsibility for our waste. And also, and in, in each of the state and territories now, we have legislation controlling the use of single use and problematic plastics with phase out of many types of plastics so that we can further reduce uh, the risk of pollution to our environment and, and loss of resources. Yeah, I, I agree, Rose, and I think it's a great opportunity for brand owners like ourselves and others to, um, you know, with the emphasis from the government to take, take action. You know, to me, I always say that waste is always local and I think you have to have a local solution in place to, to your waste. And I think the fact that we can't, so easily export our waste anymore is is forcing us to do what we really probably should have been doing already. So I think it's uh, I think it's a positive thing. Okay, so um, again, firstly to you, Rose, what sort of common goals do you see that organisations uh, typically have when it comes to waste reduction? What are they trying to achieve? Um, well, most of most organisations and and organisations that are committed to reducing waste um, adopt the principles behind the waste hierarchy. So it's also so starting from avoiding uh, the creation of waste in the first place, reducing the amount of waste being created, looking at how you can reuse materials and to uh, or products, extending the life of products and materials, but then also looking to whether you can recycle and then 
uh, finally, ensuring that any of those materials and products um, that you do generate as waste um, are recycled properly, uh, sorry, disposed of properly. So it's really important. Um, a lot of companies use the waste hierarchy as a guide, but also you'll see now a lot more companies are also adopting uh, the, th the, uh, the three core principles of a circular economy, which is about designing out waste and pollution, uh, keeping products and materials in the economy for much longer, um, and, and, and in part, regenerating nature. And Jake, what's uh, SED doing um, from this point of view in terms of sustainability targets and goals? Yeah, look, in, uh, we have a range of sustainability targets and goals. Um, when we look specifically at waste, uh, we're really looking to, to get down to zero waste from our manufacturing operations by 2030. Uh, but we also recognise that designing our products in the right way means that they have a, a reduced impact on the planet once consumers have used them. Uh, so it, it fundamentally forms part of our entire product development process. When we innovate, more than half of our product innovations have to have a sustainability benefit. That's a global commitment by Essity that when we're thinking up new products for our customers and, and consumers, more than half of those new products have to have a, a, an environmental benefit, which is good. Um, so it's a really holistic approach to minimising the impact of our products, particularly when it comes to waste. Uh, I think a really strong example from our business more broadly looks at um, the impact of aged hair waste. Now that's often focused on things like incontinence waste, and it, it's, it's as well as things like paper towels. And we're innovating by investing in uh, pyrolysis technology to try and reduce not just the landfill uh, problems caused by um, aged care waste, but also uh, the carbon emission waste that's created by those products ending up in the landfill. And, and we know that uh, when paper towels and napkins uh, are composted or kept out of landfill, we can significantly reduce the carbon impact of those products. So I could probably talk for an hour or so, Rochelle, on all the things we're doing to try and minimize our impact, but they're just a few key highlights when it comes to waste. Uh, there's a long way to go, uh, but we are really looking to invest in innovation to try and uh, have as big an impact as we can uh, before some of those 2030 deadlines we've given ourselves. Yeah, great. That's very good. Um, so, Rose, you know, from an organisational point of view, I guess there's the waste in the product and the materials that you use, as well as the packaging that goes alongside of that. What, what do you sort of see as the, the relative impact of product waste versus packaging waste? Um, yeah, well, it, if you look at the amount of waste that we generate within Australia, it's, oh, I should know these figures off the top of my head, but, you know, we're up to 70 million tonnes. Um, interestingly, you know, uh, what's come out of commercial and industrial is probably about a third of that. So what's coming out of businesses, so substantial. And the recycling and composting rates out of that sector is, is not as high as it is, say, from homes um, or some of the building sector. So building in the, the what we call construction demolition area, the recovery rates there are very high. They're more like 70 to 80%, whereas in commercial industrial, so the business sector, so are not achieving those goals. They're more like, you know, 50%. So we really need to step up there. Um, and the the mixture of packaging versus products in waste, packaging uh, doesn't have a lot of volume in, or weight, but does have a lot of items. Um, so you have to sort of, you know, in terms of the impact and what those, what products and packaging are made from is, is different. So uh, it's, you know, Jake's comments about, you know, getting, uh, you know, biodegradable 
packaging or products out of landfill and, and into composting or pyrolysis does reduce carbon emissions because you're not creating meat because when something goes into the landfill you actually end up creating methane which is it has a four-time impact versus carbon dioxide in terms of our greenhouse gas emissions so that's a really good way to deal with emissions at that end of the life cycle but more so importantly what's being done at the front end of the life cycle and um, Jake touched on this earlier is about designing products um, and designing packaging so in terms of products you want those like your dispensers and, and those types of products that you're using in in these facilities is you want them to be durable you want them to last for a long time because the that means you're using less resources and all the rest of it plus you want in terms of what it's made from you want to say if it's um, plastic or metal you want to be able to be sourcing recovered plastics and metals to make these products and create demand for recovered materials and create the circular economy um, in terms of Similarly with packaging, if you can use recycled materials or renewable materials in the in the packaging, because a lot of this is either a single use, then you can either make sure it's returned back into the recycling sector or can be composted properly. And what's really important is not to go down too much of this composite, really fancy type of materials, because it really makes it very, unless it's going to extend the durability for another 100 years, um, if it's going to be used in a single use then and, and wants to go down a composting or recycling pathway, you end up having a whole lot of hazardous materials in there. So there's there's a whole lot of complex things and, and there's been some great work um, done within this whole sector uh, in looking at being more efficient in the resources using, looking at the supply chains of the materials you're sourcing, making sure you're being very efficient in the disposable elements of the products and packaging and, and not wasting a lot of resources through that process. So there's a lot of efficiencies and achievements that have achieved so far. That's good. So many things to consider, isn't there? And I think, you know, with so many of those things you touched on, we're, we're really at the start of the journey um, in, in so many things around, yeah, packaging the product, usage, design. Um, you know, I think there's just so much scope for um, an opportunity for improvement um, down the track. So given that there's lots of things to consider, <laughs> what are some of the key steps that organisations to, should take to achieve their waste reduction targets? And again, we'll start with you first, Rose. Um, I think, you know, obviously looking at what you're buying, what materials, how you're procuring is really important. Um, the products you're procuring, do they have uh, do they have the right claims? Uh, you know, are they made sustainably in the first place? And, you know, Jake referred to, and if you have a look at, um, there's lots of labels and cert third-party certifications, so it's really important to look for that. You want to look at, you know, what, how long, the if it's a product, how long it's going to last for, can it be repaired, can I reuse it, can I resell it, will the company take it back when it's finished its useful life? They're some of the things you have to consider when you're buying products. Then obviously you need to look at well, how what products do I actually need? Can I um, do I how can I look at reducing purchasing some of these things? How can I optimize the use of those and so on? And then um, obviously looking at making sure that everything you bring into your business uh, once it's finished its useful life has it got a pathway to go to? And if it hasn't, then you need to go back to the manufacturer and the supplier and say, what am I going to do? How am I going to fix this? Because you you know. As a product steward, as someone who's making and putting a product onto the market, you should be ensuring that there is a, a responsible disposal pathway at the other end. And so as a business who's purchasing that product, you should be asking your suppliers those questions. Absolutely. And uh, it's certainly, 
you know, feedback that we receive from our customers on better ways to, um, you know, to manage the end of life and, uh, you know, a big project that Jake mentioned before, Project Divert, which is all about using continence waste, absolutely started from that, from all of our residential aged care customers asking us for a better solution and sending the products to landfills. So um, I guess we're an example of if you do ask your supplier, they, they will listen and, and we'll take some action to, uh, to work on it. So Jake, um, key actions uh, at Ethity to, to wa reduce waste? Can you share what's, what's happening within our company to do that? Yeah, look, I think as I touched on a bit earlier, taking a really holistic approach is incredibly important and you need to be asking the right questions at the right time. Um, it can be really difficult if you've developed a product and then you need to re-specify or you need to redesign it once it's already out there in the marketplace. It gets very expensive. It's a really inefficient way to do things. So ensuring you have the processes in, in place where you're asking yourself the right questions at the start of that process, then much more likely to end up with a product with a reduced impact on the planet, which is what we want. Um, I think also that um, knowing what you want uh, consumers or customers to do with it at the end of the life cycle is, is critically important. So I think as Rose just touched on, there's an obligation on those organisations that provide products to assist those that, that purchase the products to then dispose of them in the right way. So understanding how consumers or customers will use the product and then dispose of it and then how you can make that easier for them, uh, I think is absolutely critical. Um, and if, if, you're, if you're not asking yourselves these sorts of questions, you're really going to struggle to come up with products which meet those sustainability objectives that more and more consumers and customers have. Yeah. And, you know, from dealing with um, customers, I think one of the very simple places that customers tend to start is actually doing a, a waste audit. So, you know, digging through the bins, putting a percentage on what percentage of my waste is this versus this versus this. That's a very practical thing that people can do to um, understand what makes up their waste and, then you kind of get some pretty good hot spots of, you know, 20% of our waste is this or 40% of our waste is that and, and what can we do about that? Sure. One of the things also is looking at, so we've sort of mainly talked about how you can work with your suppliers, but also how do you work with your service providers, your recycling companies, your waste companies, because they can do those sorts of services for you. They can help you with waste audits. Um, they can help you uh, look to find, you know, sorting methods to sort and separate. Um, so any of those sorts of actions you can do internally within your business will and keep so to be able to divert more materials from landfill and either either if it's a plastic or a metal or glass can be recycled or if it's an organic material paper and, and that sort of thing it can be composted um, is important to to explore. The other thing also is many state government, uh, state governments, New South Wales, for example, have programs called bin trim, which can help businesses. Um, uh, look at what they can do to bring on better uh, resource recovery actions, waste avoidance actions within their own business and will become more circular within their own business model. Right. It's good to know there's support out there like that. And Jake, how do you think suppliers can help organisations, you know, that have got a target to reduce waste by a certain percentage or take certain things out of their waste stream? What, what can suppliers do to help with that? Yeah, I think understanding... Um what the product will be used for so that we're providing products which actually meet their needs. You know, you're not over-specifying things. Uh, if it's going to be used for a particular purpose, but you're providing a product which you know, is much bigger or thicker or whatever it might be than is actually required, then that's, that's essentially you're building waste into the product. Um, but I think also that helping uh, 
uh, customers understand where they can have the biggest impact when it comes to these sorts of decisions. So we recognise that uh, many of our customers don't have big sustainability teams to be able to look at you know, every element of data that's available. So how can we help them to identify well, what are the two or three key things they can do as a business to try and reduce the impact associated with the products they purchase from us? Um, and also looking beyond just um, things like product packaging as, as waste, you know, are they choosing a product or the packaging type that actually meets the needs of the product. Sometimes I think we can forget that packaging has a really important role to play and it's about keeping that product safe or in a fit state for someone to use. So making sure that the product is actually meant yeah. as waste and lost product uh, created by uh, packaging which simply isn't meeting the requirements uh, of the customer or their consumers. All makes good sense. And Rose, what do you think organisations would be should be looking for in a supplier if they've got you know waste reduction in mind? Um, I think you know, when you're um, it's seeing what credentials they have, you know, and how transparent they are in terms of how they're making their products, what's what materials are in their products. I mean, you should be able to ask your supplier, well, you know, what is this hand towel made of? And um, and if they have said, well, it's uh, biodegradable, well what is the evidence to demonstrate that it is biodegradable? Has it, has it got an Australian, does it meet the Australian standard for compostability, for instance? Um, so I think there's, you know, they need to, your supplier needs to be open and transparent with the details of the products and the packaging they're providing for you. And if they can't supply that information, then I'd really sort of question it whether, and, and while they might be quite affordable, is that really the outcome you want? Um, because you need to, and, and, you know, the other thing is, is making sure you haven't got sort of hazardous substances in some of these items, um, which may or may not be an issue. But, you know, uh, one instance is um, PFAS in some of the compostable packaging has been an issue. Um, and so obviously, you know, you need to be aware of those sorts of things. And I think compostability or biodegradability has become a bit of an interesting topic, hasn't it? Because just because something is compostable or biodegradable, if you don't actually compost or biodegrade it, I, I don't think you've actually had really any benefit or the intended benefit you think you might be getting. I don't know if you want to talk about that, Rose. It's, oh, no, it's a really good point. And, um, you know, there's a lot of things about biodegradable compostable plastics and there's a lot of confusion about that. Um, there are standards out there. Uh, there's the Australian Standard for Compostability. Also, recently, the World Wildlife Fund, Worldwide Fund, no, World Wildlife Fund, um, and the Institute for Sustainable Futures, which is one of our consortium partners at the centre, did a recent released a report on uh, compostable biodegradable plastics, and I really would recommend you all have a look at that. I'll find the link and we can share it hopefully, um, because there's some really good information there about um, the pros and cons of going down that pathway. They've looked at international research on life cycle analysis. They've also looked at, you know, what are the local standards and the trends here in Australia. So I think it provides, would help inform and educate businesses in terms of going down that pathway where they might have suppliers saying, oh, well, this is compostable, you know, you can move away from your plastic um, whatevers or, you know, change your single use from this to this, um, but it may not actually have the better outcome, as you mentioned, if it's not going to the right end life. So, yeah. Definitely sounds like a report that I want to check out. Thanks for suggesting that one. 
Um, so, Jake, I mean, we touched on it a bit there, but um, can you set, shed some light on potential greenwashing or you know, traps to avoid when it comes to waste reduction and, and making meaningful change? Yeah, look, it's understandably a really hot topic at the moment. And we know that regulators across Australia and New Zealand are certainly targeting businesses that uh, are potentially making greenwashing claims. Uh, look, I think the first thing is ensure that any claims you make have a, a good amount of evidence in behind them. They should be based on, on scientific evidence that shows that what you're stating is actually true. Um, full life cycle assessments are really important as well. Um, understanding the impact of a product along its full life cycle is, is so important, I think. And often we can focus on, on one element and forget the other, the other stages or, of a product's life cycle. Packaging is a, a great example. Now, there is rightly a very strong focus on post-consumer waste at the moment, but when picking the right packaging material, it's, it's critically important to look at the full life cycle assessment. You know, how has that material been sourced? How has it been transported? Um, how does it keep products uh, safe and fit for use and so on? It's a whole range of considerations that should be taken into account when assessing the impact of a product. So essentially, once you've done all that work, once you, you've got the evidence that sits behind your product, then you should feel quite confident making claims around uh, the sustainability credentials of, of the product. But uh, we do see at times uh, products that do have quite broad sweeping sorts of statements, uh, difficult to challenge because they are so almost almost like marketing puffery, I suppose. But at the same time, um, I, I think you're going to see regulators increasingly crack down on that to ensure that those claims that are made are, are substantive and backed up by evidence. So Look, make sure you do the background work, do your homework, and then come up with claims which reflect uh, that important work you've done in developing your product. Sounds good, sounds good. And Jake, could you maybe share a couple of hygiene examples of, um, you know, think about the talk world of talk products or systems and how they can help to reduce waste for customers? Yeah, so we've got a product called Talk Fixer, which is, um, it's, it's a really interesting product because the paper towel uh, it comes compressed. And when I first joined the business, and I think it was one of your team, Rochelle, showed me um, the PicServe uh, product versus a regular product. And it took up far less space. It was quite amazing that you could put this product into a dispenser and it works just as well, if not better, than, than you know, other products in the marketplace. Uh, and that generates a whole range of benefits. Uh, it means that you need to refill the dispensers less often. It means you, you need far less transport um, square meterage, I suppose, to get those products moved around uh, to customers. Um, and also, it's just easier for those teams to manage on the ground when they're having to refill less often. Um, so it's a really innovative project that addresses, um, you know, the needs, of sustainability needs of, of customers and consumers. And I think on top of that, across you know, our entire uh, paper towel, uh, hand towel range, really composting those products at the end of use makes a massive difference from an emissions perspective. And Rose touched on it a little bit earlier. Uh, the carbon emissions from landfill um, are really significant versus if you compost it and much of that carbon gets captured, captured underground. So if, if you can, certainly look at ways to compost uh, your hand towels because it, it really does have a significant impact uh, on the full life cycle of, of those products. So there's a couple of examples, Rochelle. Um, I'm sure I could reference more, and I'm sure you could reference <laughs> many more. 
I mean, we were quite surprised when we updated our life cycle analysis a few years ago to include handheld composting. And when you compared the end of life going to landfill versus handheld composting, it actually reduced reduces carbon emissions by 50% across the whole life cycle. So there's not, you know, that we couldn't even hope to have that big an impact in what we do when we manufacture the products. It really was surprising that the big hotspot for tissue fiber-based products is really actually end of life. Um, and of course, we'll keep doing what we can on the manufacturing distribution point of view, but the biggest difference you can make is, uh, is what you're doing at the end of life, which until you do that life cycle analysis, you don't really know or understand where, where the biggest um, impacts are and the biggest opportunity to improve. Okay, so lastly on the topic of waste reduction, um, and we'll start with you, Rose, could you provide a couple of practical actions that organisations can take to uh, achieve their waste reduction targets? Yeah, sure. And I'm going to actually frame it around uh, Virginia Westwood, who is a fashion designer, iconic fashion designer who recently died. Um, her phrase was, and this was quite a few years ago, buy less, choose well and make it last. So it's really about, you know, it is very much at the top end of the waste hierarchy um, and how you can, you know, really asking the question when you are buying products, are you buying the right products? Do you need all of these products? How can you be efficient in what you're buying? Um, making sure that in choosing well, and, you know, Jake sort of talked about, you know, what are some of the things you need to get from your supplier in terms of the right products for the right purpose or the, and has the appropriate packaging to ensure that the product lasts and needs to. Um, making it last, obviously, looking at how, um, you know, durability is a key thing, especially for the non-consumable products that we're talking about. Um, but all of those sorts of things are really important. And I suppose the other thing with make it last is, okay, if I'm not going to use this material, I finished using this, say it's a wipe or whatever, um, taking that out of landfill and composting it so that we can recover the organic material and have that stay within within the cycle of life. Yeah, nice, nice, simple words. I like that. And Jake, what about from your side? Yeah, look, not too much to add beyond what Rose has just, just talked through. Look, I, I think... A key, um, a key driver of achieving targets is to actually have targets. So make sure you actually have some targets in place. Um, access to data is good, but you know, not every business has the, has the manpower or resources to be able to look in detail, but certainly if you can do some, some basic work to identify where you are actually having an impact, it's, it's so important. Otherwise you can end up investing time and effort addressing an area which really doesn't have as big an impact as something else which you may have missed. Uh, and look, embed sustainability within your organisation because it's decisions made by everyone from across your business that actually impact sustainability outcomes. It's not just uh, the people you have in your sustainability team, it's decisions made by every function, every person in the business which drive better outcomes in the sustainability space. Lovely, lovely. Okay, so I think we've uh, done a pretty thorough review there of uh, waste reduction targets within organisations, but um, let's, let's end off this this uh, podcast episode by giving a bit of personal inspiration. So I want to uh, ask each of you, um, so Rose, why are you passionate about sustainability and what do you do at home to be sustainable that's to give a bit of inspiration to people? Uh, okay. Um, well, I suppose I grew up in, in a rural situation on a small farm and I'm back on a small farm. So I have a lot of connection with the land. And um, so what do I do at home here? 
Oh God, I have horse manure piles, I compost, I'm a permanent compost fertilizer person. I really, in terms of what goes out the, out in my bins is try and reduce that as much as possible. So there's lots of simple things I do. Um, and yeah, it's just how I've been brought up, I suppose, is why I do it part of my life. Excellent. And what about you, Jay? Oh, look, I'm passionate about working in sustainability because I think it's changing so quickly. It's always interesting. There's always something new. Um, you know, I think I touched on it at the start. My background is in corporate affairs and I enjoyed that because it was quite unpredictable and things were always changing. I think sustainability is just such an exciting place to be because um, there is so much innovation going on. There's so many uh, amazing people working to address the challenges and we're not going to solve these problems in the next three or four years. We'd love to, but there'll be challenges we need to keep addressing uh, over decades. So that's, I think, what gets me excited about sustainability every day. As far as what we do at home, look, I think that everything's changing quite quickly aspect is important. So you need to stay on top of things. And we don't have an immense amount of time. I, you know, thankfully I work in the space, but you know, lots of other people who have other things they're focused on in their, their professional lives and personal lives, don't have time to stay on top of everything, but do where you can try, try and learn more. Um, practical things, look, composting my hand towels has become a, a ritual in our household. I'm constantly telling the kids um, to put their hand towels in the compost and they're constantly reminding me of the importance of having a naked lunch because if they turn up to school with any packaging on their lunch, I get a, a slap on the wrist at the end of the day because the teachers come around and check and there's a real competition at school in that space. So there's a few little practical things that happen in, in the Hatton household every day. <laughs> nice, nice. Thank you both for, for sharing that. So um, I guess to, to, to wrap it up, thanks so much for joining me today, Rose and, and Jake. And um, if you enjoyed today's episode, please do stay tuned as we'll be bringing more things to, Think Sustainable podcasts in the coming weeks. Thank you very much. Thank you.